This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 55 degrees at 9.04. The forecast today, 40% chance of showers becoming mostly sunny in the afternoon and a high in the mid to upper 60s. New York's senior senator says drug dealers are using an old strategy to try to rope children into using an even more potent and dangerous drug. Charles Schumer yesterday pointed to rainbow-colored fentanyl that looks like sweet tart candy and appeals to young children. The Democrat is calling for $290 million in federal money as part of the government stopgap spending legislation to go to law enforcement efforts to intercept the drug before it's marketed to children. Fentanyl, according to the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency, is 50 to 100 times more lethal than morphine. Recent statistics show the synthetic opioid has been responsible for an 80% increase in overdose deaths in the past two years. The ploy to attract young children to illicit drugs through attractive disguises is nothing new. Several months ago, an alert went out concerning what appeared to be popular treats and snacks for young people that look just like the real commercial chips and candies packaging, but the product inside contained dangerously high and sometimes undisclosed levels of THC found in marijuana. The Drug Enforcement Agency says the rainbow fentanyl is being seized in pills, powder, and blocks that resemble sidewalk chalk in 18 states. Recently, two Maryland men were apprehended with 15,000 fentanyl-laced pills they tried to sell to undercover officers in Skittles and Nerds candy containers. Schumer points out the appearance of the deadly counterfeit candy is especially concerning with Halloween a little over a month away. WMBF News Time 906. Another Broome County municipality may soon be able to keep track of vehicles coming and going through their borders. Several license plate readers could be in place at various spots in the village of Endicott to assist law enforcement agencies. Mayor Linda Jackson says Police Chief Patrick Gary has been working with a company to develop a proposal that would include plate readers and cameras. Jackson says the village likely will consider placing four plate readers at busy village entry points on Main Street, Watson Boulevard, and Route 26. Jackson says the devices would be linked to the Broome County Emergency Dispatch Center and could make it easier for Endicott police to apprehend people suspected of committing a crime in a neighboring community. City of Binghamton has installed a network of about two dozen plate readers, mainly at entry points. When then-Mayor Richard David announced the initiative in 2017, he said it would cost about $700,000. The city has put out very little information about how much that has been helping them with the plate readers that were to scan plates and cross-reference the information with state and federal databases since they were installed. WMBF News Time 907. The Tioga County Sheriff's Office is reminding residents that the newly enacted gun laws in New York State are still presenting a learning curve. New York's gun laws had to change at the beginning of the month following a Supreme Court ruling striking down the state's concealed carry regulations, prompting the Democrat-controlled legislature and governor to quickly move to legislate a ban on concealed weapons in almost all locations of the state, except where specifically noted that the guns were welcome. New regulations are also required new licensees after September 4th to undergo a certain amount of training and certification. It also required some license holders to amend their permits. The Sheriff's Office says it has been working over the past few weeks to determine the accept- 
acceptable firearms training courses or proof of completion to satisfy the new rules concerning pistol permits and carry concealed licenses. Officials say links to frequently asked questions and forms can be found on the Tioga County Sheriff's Office website or the New York State Department of Criminal Justice Services website. Forms are also available at the Tioga County Sheriff's Office. A couple Southern Tier women are being recognized for their contribution to the community. New York State Senator Fred Akshar last week recognized Achieve Chief Executive Officer Amy Howard as his final Senate Woman of Distinction for the 52nd District, while the Girl Scouts of Nypen Pathways Council has named Executive Director of the YWCA of Binghamton, Carol Coppins, as their 2022 Woman of Distinction. Senator Akshar, who is not seeking re-election as he's running for Broome County Sheriff, says he named Howard for the New York State Senate's annual Women of Distinction honor as she has guided Achieve through a massive 11,000 square foot renovation and expansion. The group provides services and support to individuals with intellectual, developmental, and other disabilities in Broome, Shenango, and Tioga counties. Meanwhile, the Girl Scouts are recognizing YWCA Director Carol Coppins for her over 35 years of service in the community, over 20 of that with the YWCA, forwarding the mission of ending racism and empowering women. The Women of Distinction Breakfast for the Girl Scouts of Nipen Pathways is tomorrow. It raises money for the Gold Award Girl Scout Scholarships. Scholarships are used toward advancing the education of recipients who demonstrate the highest levels of leadership and sustainability at an institute of higher education. WMBF Newstime 909. You wash your the WMBF Twin Tiers forecast a 40% chance of showers for today, but becoming mostly sunny during the afternoon, high in the mid to upper 60s. Mostly clear tonight, a low in the upper 40s. Increasing clouds tomorrow, a 40% chance of mainly afternoon showers, high in the low 60s. Wednesday, partly sunny, 60% chance of showers, high in the low 60s. Thursday, partly sunny, a high near 60. And Friday, mostly sunny, a high in the mid 60s. Currently, it's 55 in Binghamton. It's 11 past. Nine where news breaks first. News Radio twelve ninety WMBF WMBF dot com and ninety two point one FM. News Radio twelve ninety Well, this is how it begins. Monday morning, September 26, with Bob Joseph. Live and local, 607-772-1290. I am prepared to take as many calls as humanly possible. If for some reason you cannot or will not contact the station by phone i encourage you to contact the station by email bob at wnbf.com so you check out some of the local news on the favorite website Binghamton news lovers. And to comp may install license plate readers at village entrances. So if you're one of the village people, 
or even if you just want to drive through the village at some point, they may know it. It's uh, a proposal being looked into by Endicott officials. We heard that from the mayor, Linda Jackson. Let's see what transpires there. Weight readers in the village. I believe Johnson City might also wind up doing that. I think they should install plate readers every mile on every bit of roadway in America. May we know where everybody is at any given time. Unless they're riding bikes or mopeds. Also in the news from uh, WNBF News with actual local reporting, original local reporting, uh, a restaurant site popular restaurant site is available downtown on court street actually not far from the beautiful binghamton now tower so if you find yourself in a position uh, where you would like to start up a restaurant there is a place a place available uh, details on the website so if you're interested in a restaurant location. It's at 60 Court Street, Dos Rios Cantina. Had been there for almost four years. And then it closed. And so now there's a listing. Pyramid Brokerage describes this site as offering a unique opportunity in the hearts of downtown Binghamton. They say it's a turnkey restaurant in an outstanding location. And I was there. Uh, before it was opened and followed the progress. So we'll see what happens. If you're interested, that would be a location, a location for a restaurant. It's 9.15. Larry from Kirkwood claims to be looking for trouble. Is that true? <laughs> you're in trouble, Bob. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, all I, the only thing I do, I don't know if you're looking for trouble. All I am doing is looking for answers. Well, I was. I said to Kathy, I said, so what kind of trouble can we get into this week? You know, I just busted on her, you know, but <laughs> so she put me right through. She says, oh, okay, he's doing pilfering, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the yeah. thing I like about Monday morning is it's sort of like, again, a, a, a blank slate. You have no idea. Say, when, when I'm driving into work at 8 o'clock Monday morning, I have no idea what's going to transpire between that time and 5 o'clock Friday afternoon. The only thing I know is that it's going to be interesting. Every week, mm -hmm. it's interesting. Yep, sure is. So what's up today, man? You good? Everything is fine. The uh, As I said, they have that space for the restaurant. If I wasn't so busy here at the station doing news... And that sort of thing. I, I think I'd be inclined to open up a restaurant there. Uh, little Bob Rios. Oh, okay. I guess that would mean <laughs> Bob's River. Hmm. Um, but I, I'm too busy, so hopefully somebody somebody will hear about it on news radio, WNBF or WNBF.com. Have you ever run a restaurant? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't have any mind for business. No, thank you. Well, why not try? <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Oh, my God. It's finances and stuff. Oh, that's easy. The finances are easy. It's finding a good chef that'll be difficult. Well, if you want to fork over $100,000 to me, I'll be happy to try. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'll have my people talk with your people. Who knows? You know, be, 
call it Larry's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that would work too well. I don't know. Oh, we call it uh, Larry's place, open twenty four seven with uh, where the elite meet to eat. That's that. Yeah. That would be the that would be the hook. Yeah. So I bet a bunch of kind of bunch of people are are, are thinking in this right now. What's this Larry boy wasted all our time here talking about nothing here? <laughs> well, you know, it's not. Nothing's ever a waste of time. If it's something yeah. important to you, Larry, it's important to me. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, oh, no. keep keep your eyes open. As as always, I encourage you. If you see any any news going on, you give us a call. Okay. Don't don't think that I know. I I know a lot, but I certainly don't know it all. So if you spot yeah, some, you're gonna be no some more news, than me. You know, but. Eh, okay. Okay. Bless you, man. Thanks. 918 from News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Yes, we'll be looking for news in all the right places this week. So if you see a guy who looks like me, odds are it's me. Guy with a, a pen, a notebook, and a camera. That's all I need. <laughs> Travel light. And I'm ready to go. Ready to go all around the tri state area. Speaking of ready to go, now would be a good time to go to Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. Miller Motors at 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University. They're open right now, ready to serve you. If you're looking for a new Honda or a new Hyundai, they can explain the options. Yeah, these are unusual times, so they may not have the exact vehicle and color and configuration that you want on the lot in fact odds are they don't have that on the lot but they can also explain what you need to know so if there is um honda or hyundai that you have been dreaming about i'm dreaming of a gray honda uh or something like that They'll be able to help you. They'll explain what goes on. Also, if you're interested in a late model used vehicle, take a look on their website, MillerAutoTeam.com. The Miller Auto Team is there for you. They've been there for you for years. They'll be there for a long time to come. Miller Auto Team open tonight till 7 on the Parkway in Vestal. It's 920. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Hey, business. So it starts recording? FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Congratulations to President Biden. See, factory jobs are booming and zooming. And, uh, of course, it would take a guy who grew up in a factory town, uh, Scranton Joe, 
you're a developer from Queens, you wouldn't be able to have so many factory jobs suddenly booming and zooming here in the U.S., but it's um, true, according to the Times of New York. U.S. factories see rare sight return of jobs. 67,000 more workers than before COVID. So, yes, there are concerns about the recession. There are concerns about how high your heating bill will be this winter. It will be high. There's no uh, doubt about it. But, on the other hand, more people are working in American factories than before the pandemic. And they couldn't print that in the Times if it weren't true. So the story, Dateline Washington, ever since American manufacturing entered a long stretch of automation and outsourcing in the late 70s, every recession has led to the loss of factory jobs that never returned. But the recovery from the pandemic recession has been different. American manufacturers have now added enough jobs to regain all that they shed and then some. Did you hear that? More jobs in the USA today than there were in the USA before the pandemic. So those who are hypercritical of the current leadership in this country might want to take note. More factory jobs now than three years ago. The resurgence has not been driven by companies bringing back factory jobs that had moved overseas, nor by the brawny industrial sectors and regions often evoked by President Biden, former President Trump, and other champions of manufacturing. Instead, the engines in this recovery include pharmaceutical plants. Makes sense. Americans love their pharmaceuticals. Craft breweries. Also makes sense. Americans love their beer. And ice cream makers also make sense. Americans love their ice cream. So thanks to the love that most Americans have for pharmaceuticals, beer, and ice cream, factory jobs are booming. The newly created jobs are more likely to be located in the Mountain West and the Southeast than in the classic industrial strongholds of the Great Lakes. So there, quite the story on page one of the Times of New York. Also an interesting story on page one of the Times of New York. Big chain sucked profits out of a poor hospital. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a big chain sucking profits out of a poor hospital? I mean, that's, that's unseemly. But it's apparently true according to the Times of New York. Dateline Richmond, Virginia. They have a story about what was going on at the Richmond Community Hospital. And apparently the company that now operates the Richmond Community Hospital has uh, an interesting way of treating patients. Anyway, it's a long story. Um, uh, Times is doing a series Profits over patients. Profits over patients. It's shocking that hospitals would ever put profits over patients. But if you believe um, the stories that have appeared uh, today and also on Sunday in the Times of New York, there are some hospitals out there that are allegedly putting profits over patients, even though they operate ostensibly, ostensibly, <laughs> not for profit.
I saw an interesting quote. I don't know if it was in today's, might have been in yesterday's installment, where um, one of the guys who runs those so-called non-profit or not-for-profit hospital corporations um, made an acknowledgement of what that really means. So apparently, apparently the definition is is uh, I'll just say different than you might expect. Apparently, at least for some people. Anyway, Happy New Year. Uh, for those who are enjoying, a happy new year. Happy new year. Just looking at a couple other things here. I think we'll give the weather forecast. I haven't, uh, haven't done a weather forecast since fr Friday. <clears throat> I know Dave Nicosia would like me to utilize the forecast from the National Weather Service, from the team, the team of experienced professional meteorologist high atop Mount Ettrick. So here we go. Increasing clouds today, a chance of showers this afternoon. High 67, mainly clear tonight. Low 49. Increasing clouds tomorrow with a chance of showers in the afternoon. High 62. Partly sunny Wednesday with showers likely. Low 61. Oh, why not? Why don't I give you the full forecast? Continuing with the seven-day outlook, partly sunny Thursday, a chance of showers, high 59, mostly sunny Friday, high 64, partly sunny Saturday, high 67, and partly sunny Sunday with a chance of showers, high 66. Right now in downtown Binghamton, officially it's 57 at News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com, taking calls at 607-772-1290. If you're like that one guy from Kirkwood, ostensibly looking to start some kind of trouble this week, this show is for you. Again, 607-772-1290, or email bob at WNBF.com. You wash your It's Monday morning at WNBF, WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph, and we welcome to the program Linda Sarah, Executive Director of Mercy House, Southern Chair. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Great. Happy Monday. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> I, I, I came in with a bold observation for our receptionist about 20 minutes ago. I said, well, first of all, I, I asked her, of course, pleasantries exchanged. How's it going? And she said, enthusiastically, it's going. <laughs> I said, well, don't worry. With each additional minute, each additional minute, we are getting so darn close to Friday. That's true. <laughs> It'll be here before we know it. Gosh, not a moment too soon. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit. And by the way, this is the first time that you and I have... Uh, been able to speak face to face but i know you've been on i think you've been on this program before by phone and i think obviously you've talked with various other wnbf people including billy flynn 
Yes. So this is uh, this is a special honor for me for you to come in. Before we go any further, just to give people an overview of Mercy House. I think most of our listeners are familiar with the concept by now, but some may not be. Some may not, right. Well, first, thanks for having me, and it's good to meet you face-to-face and be able to get out and about now, right? Oh, after, yeah, after what had Three been... Three years? Oh, it, yeah, about yeah. two and a half years. And it's like, I was wondering if we could ever have in-studio conversations again and finally we're able to yeah yeah mercy house we opened in march of 2016 and i think everybody knows that this was a vision of father clarence rumbles from church of the holy family so we opened six years ago we are a nonprofit community care shelter for the terminally ill we have cared for over 855 residents and their respective families uh, during this time. I like to describe Mercy House as a large private home with 10 bedrooms. Our exclusive partner is Lourdes Hospice. So they create the care plan for our residents and then our team executes that care plan. We're all about the hospitality and helping families be just that. When the families come in, they don't have to worry about the bathing, the feeding, entertaining family or friends that may want to come and visit. They don't have to worry about the meds. We take care of all of that, including the laundry. So we are very happy to be able to provide that for our community because at at the end of life, that's a tough emotional road. It is. And um, for people who aren't familiar, a, a former church was converted into what is now Mercy House on Endicott's north side. Right. So it was St. Cashmere's Church for many years. That closed down, and in 2015, we purchased the building. And we thought, what a great place to repurpose that into a community care shelter for the terminally ill. Uh, Renovation took less than a year, and it was very much supported by the community, and here we are six years later. So after six years, about how many people have spent some of their, their final days and weeks at Mercy House? Approximately how many? Uh, 858. It's remarkable. It is. It is. And I, uh, I've had occasion to visit people at Mercy House over the last few years. And... From my observation, those times that I've been at Mercy House, I I just found it to be a very appropriate setting for people. Obviously, at these times, for both the the person who is approaching end of life and also their family and friends, it can be a challenging time. But as I observed during the the time that I've been able to visit people, I, I just found it so comforting and relaxing and perhaps one of the most appropriate ways for people to spend this time of of their lives we focus on the home-like environment so each room you know the families the resident can make it their own they can bring in um, pictures of the families any collectibles that they may have had anything that helps them remember you know family friends and to make it homier so when you walk into mercy house it's it is very peaceful 
Uh, we have a beautiful waterfall. We have a non-denominational uh, chapel. And it looks like a, a really nice big home. And that's the environment that we want for those folks. We do not mirror a medical facility or a nursing home. We are just a large private family home. And it's just very relaxed, very comforting. The you know, the atmosphere is, is informal, as you say. The people there can can make their spot their place and they can they can feel comfortable and they can right. feel comfortable if they're visiting one person at a time or maybe a couple of people mm-hmm. but it's also there's that sense of security too that it's it's a place it's accessible it's not far off route 17 right. but it's also not say in the middle of some very busy urban area you have off street parking so it's convenient mm-hmm. for those visiting right we have a parking lot as well around the building, um, and it's peaceful. We have a patio, so in nice weather, of course, the families can take their loved one out onto the deck. That was made possible by the Me Foundation, so we wrote a grant for that. Um, so we're very grateful for that, and we built that. And it's just a nice break from being inside the house. You can get outside watch you know the birds and the squirrels and mckinley have traffic and just enjoy it and have lunch outside or dinner something special is coming up in a month to support the mission of mercy house yes we are so excited it's our ninth annual gala of taste so ninth so we started this fundraiser before we even opened and this year well the past two years we've held it virtually online 100 percent. so now we're going to a hybrid so we have a new venue which is the suny broom culinary and event center on exchange street in binghamton uh, beautiful old historic carnegie public library way back in the day um, so we're having our event there october 27th from 6 to 9 p.m plenty of parking is available so we thank the uh, businesses around um, Exchange Street there um, for use of their parking lots. So that was key. And uh, new format. So we'll have up to 250 guests. So we are selling tickets. And as of today, uh, we are over 100 tickets sold. So if anyone's interested, I would definitely not wait to the last minute. And it will also be online. So those folks that don't want to you know, come down in person can sit on the couch in their pajamas, have a glass of wine or cup of tea, and bid on our auction items and watch the live stream um, that we'll have as well during the event. So people interested in tickets for the event coming up uh, about a month from now, mm-hmm. what can they do? They can go to mercyhousesoutherntier.com and click on the gala event and purchase tickets expecting any significant changes in mercy house looking ahead the next few years in the not too distant future are there any enhancements any um, new things that are are being contemplated to enhance the mission yes we actually will be starting and this was a long process as well uh, due to covid but we are expanding the kitchen Uh, thanks to a grant um, 
from the Hoyt Foundation. So we're very grateful for that. Uh, that will take place. We anticipate starting work on that in January. So that will set us up for the future. You know, when we first started, you know, it's a home-like kitchen. We had no idea how feeding everyone and their families and just all that community fellowship was so important to our mission. And so we have outgrown our kitchen, if you will. So we're looking forward to that. Um, we're well on our way. We have our plans approved, and we're starting to purchase the equipment for the new kitchen. So very exciting. What about people who might be interested in volunteering? Great question. Uh, again, go to our website, mercyhousesouthernteer.com. Go to the volunteer page, fill out an application, and then that goes right to the inbox of our volunteer coordinator, um, Ann. And she handles all of the applications, the volunteer orientation, the screening. Everyone is, has a background check before they come to Mercy House uh, to volunteer. And right now we have over 200 active volunteers that are there with us. We couldn't do it without them, that is for sure. Uh, receptionist, cleaning, maintenance projects, cooking. I like to say we have chefs and sous chefs. Everything's homemade there. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity. Companions, we never want our residents to be alone. So if a family is home resting or they go out to lunch, and we've had some folks that do not have any family locally. So our volunteers and staff become their extended family. So we have those volunteer opportunities as well, where they can come and sit with a resident, maybe watch a TV show, chat, or just be with them. Linda Sarah, Executive Director of Mercy House of the Southern Tier. More information online at mercyhousesoutherntier.com. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. It's 943 on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Nine forty-four from WNBF, WNBF.com, 607-772-1290 is the number. Again, that number, 607-772-1290. Be sure not to dial carelessly. That would be bad. the TV, they say uh, crime crisis hits small businesses hard. So, if you're a small business, you're probably being hit hard by the crime. And I suppose that applies even to the biggest of businesses, because crime, crime is a problem wherever you go. And it always has been. Have you noticed that? Even before I entered the... Um, Business of news reporting. 
even as a young lad growing up in Endwell and then later in Endicott. As I observe the reportage in the Sun Bulletin and in the evening press, I, I often noted with despair that crime was all around us because there were criminals out of control. It, it, it's not new, but this is an important time in America with only 43 days left to the election, so you need to focus on how bad the crime is. So if somebody comes up to you and asks directly, do you think crime is really, really bad? And of course, the correct answer is yes. Crime is really bad. What else is uh, going on? Let me take a look at email. See if I've missed anything of substance. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, I won't go into specifics, but Jesse in Owego has a report that eh, some business just closed. Eh. Compliance issues. Yes. Compliance issues. Always a problem. So if you, if you have a business and you don't comply, well, your business probably will have to close. That's one of the things, by the way. I do a lot of reporting on businesses around here. And to me, the fascinating thing is how time-consuming and occasionally how challenging it can be to open a business, not so much getting your equipment and hiring your people, but usually the final steps are complying with local codes. And I won't name names, but they know who they are. There are some communities around here that are just not easy. There's, it's just not easy. It's not easy to open a business. And sometimes, from what I've heard, they don't make it easy. But I'm not pointing any fingers or casting aspersions. I'm just saying, never, if you start a business, if you have an idea for a business, a restaurant, clothing, anything, even eventually when people will be selling weed, no matter what kind of business, make sure as part of your business plan, you do research about every possible detail regarding local code. Because if you don't get a certificate of occupancy, you're not going to be doing any business. You can't do business when they don't let you open up. And I've seen this apply to the tiniest of businesses, to the biggest of businesses in Broome County. It's fascinating. Sometimes it's surprising, but it's still fascinating that um, code people are very, very insistent that you meet everything in their code, which is as it should be. And I, I've actually been in some cases heartened to see some municipalities that take um, a pretty consistent approach whether 
It would be me opening up my Bobo Marts, often talked about, but probably never will become a reality. But say, if I wanted to open Bobo Mart somewhere, some really small place, I'd have to meet certain code things. But even if you have one of the biggest businesses on the planet, you're going to have to meet those same things. That's the way it should be. They shouldn't be doing favors. They should not do favors for people just because they're big. Big. And know people in strange places. Here's uh, some information for our friends in the Union District of Endicott. If you live in the Union District of Endicott, they're going to pull your plug. Your plug will be pulled at 2 p.m. So you have approximately four hours and nine minutes to do whatever you need to do because Endicott Municipal Light customers who live south of North Street, east of Page Avenue, and west of Vestal Avenue will experience the joy of no electricity this afternoon starting at 2. And that will run for two hours for system maintenance. I know some people who live in that area. So don't say you weren't warned. Your power, they say, will be shut off at 2 this afternoon for about two hours for system maintenance. Again, that's for a section of the Union District. It's not the entire Union District of Endicott, just a portion for customers who are south of North Street, east of Page Avenue, and west of Vestal Avenue. Heck, I used to live there. Heck. But I don't now, so... Anyway, even if I did, I'd be here enjoying pure NYSEG power from my friends at Avangrid in Rochester. 9.52, Joan in Binghamton. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, you know, our good NYSEG guys came out and uh, read the meter last week. And... Uh, well, yeah, it was last week. And then I, everybody's been talking about energy charges and all this kind of stuff. So I said, hey, I'll look back, you know. Uh, I looked back to May. And on peak supply charge, and you know, they got tons of numbers, but basically it's uh, 0 0.065. Now, September is 0.125. Now, to me, the supply charge is doubled. Well, not exactly doubled, nearly doubled. <laughs> um, you work for NYSEG? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I no, no. You're uh, that's that's a huge jump from May to September. You're right. It nearly yeah, doubled, that's and a, that's the on peak yeah. charge, and uh, then the off peak is. Not quite well. Zero four seven mm -hmm. went to zero seven eight. Yeah, that's, so that's still a big jump. Also. Well, come on, man. That's that's about a that's a little over a fifty percent jump. So, you know. But still, to your point, it's too high. Do you mind if I just say? I don't mind if it's too high. I'm just shocked it's doubled in such a short period of time. I mean, people, when we get our bills, which this bill, I guess, but wait till, you know, you start uh, getting into the winter months. That's what I was that. just going to say. I was going to say, don't, 
don't sweat this stuff. Wait, wait till you see your December or February or April mm-hmm. bill. That's that's when you ought to be wondering what the interest rates on special loans will be because that's how you'll be able to pay your bill. You take out a loan and hope that the interest rates haven't gone up too much. But we all know what the interest rates are going to be. By the time you take out a loan in early spring to pay for your winter heating costs, the interest rates are going to be sky high. So it's going to be a, a triple whammy. You don't even have to worry about those interest rates. People are doing it on their credit cards. That's their loan office, and those are, what, 22%, 25% interest? Yeah, it's outrageous. Probably some are even higher than 25%, maybe. I don't know. I I always pay off my credit card bills because I, I, I don't... I don't like to pay interest on things, so I always pay. I always make sure my credit card bill is current. But uh, yeah, for people who have to put things on on their credit cards, that's that's not good. I mean, obviously you have to heat your home, but also there are people out there who have families who probably want to eat. So what are they going to do? Right. That's right. Well, just like in England, they say there's going to be a ton of people freezing to death in England. So. Whether that comes about or not, but that's what they've been predicting probably for the last four or five months, that uh, wintertime in Europe is going to be a real huge tragedy. Why would it be just in Europe? Why wouldn't it also be tragic here? Don't you well, think people here... too, but we haven't really been talking about that. Well, you know, why what, why what do we, we focus so much on Europe? We talk about Trump all the time. That's all we talk about. We don't even worry about... I didn't mention Trump at all today. But now that you mention it, I mean, I mentioned him in passing because the Times of New York mentioned with all the... Did you hear that? We have more factory jobs now than we did before the recession or before the pandemic. So I think that's great. Sounds, Sounds like from a factory standpoint, this country is booming and zooming. How come the productivity thing has been down for months and months and months? Uh, Those are people who just can't be bothered to get out of their homes. The people who initially were upset with the pandemic where they had to work from home, now that the pandemic is over, according to President Biden, now they won't go back into the office. That's why productivity is down. I mean, how much work can you do at home when you're out mowing the lawn and, and cooking speedies when you should be working? I mean, it's time for people to get back in the office. You know what I'm saying, Joan, is let's let's return to the long-treasured American work ethic and get this little period of last two-year period of laziness. Let's get it out of our system. No more working from home. Well, they haven't declared that the emergency is over yet. But that's beside the point. The president declared the pandemic is over. Get back to your office. There's there's no reason for most people not to be back in their office. What is this with, oh, I don't want to go to the office five days a week. That's what made America great. Going to the office two or three days a week didn't make America great. Going to the office five days a week, even on Mondays and even on Friday afternoons, that's what made America great. Forty hours, baby. Give... Give the man 40 hours. Well, a lot more than 40 hours, but... uh... Well, in your case, yes, because you work hard. I'm talking about 
a lot of Americans who work in offices. Yeah, it's true. Some work a lot more than 40 hours, but I'm saying at a minimum 40 hours. Is that too much oh, to ask? People are having to go and, you know, do two or, two or three jobs you know, to make ends meet to cover so they don't have to borrow from the credit card, I guess. Well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. So work 60 hours a week. Go work at your office job and then get a, a part-time job, work another 25 hours at Bobo Mart. <laughs> yeah, Walmart's going to hire so many less people. I think about one-tenth of the number of people that they normally hire for Christmas. I know. The the companies, the Walmarts and Targets of the world, they're panicking now because it just occurred to them. Well, I don't know if it just occurred to them, but they're talking about it now. That as we get closer to the holiday shopping season, more people are going to realize that what little money they have, they're going to have to set aside to try to pay their heating and food bills. So this uh, upcoming holiday shopping season, which normally would be... Um, uh, a lot of money for retailers like Walmart and Target. It's not going to be a happy season for them. No, no. I think they're going to have to want to go back to uh, Trumpville. No, nobody wants to go back to that. But they, what we want is something like Obamaville or even Carterville. <laughs> Obama started all this. Or Clintonville. Clintonville, at least we had lots to talk about. And, you know, I mean, he had his shortcomings but still we had plenty to talk about well yes does it, trumpville uh, bad times trumpville are, i say, to say about bad times good times there's nothing to say about good times right there's a lot to say about bad well times. we had lots of good times during the obama administration so maybe maybe uh, barack obama could choose a candidate who could run in 2024 and lead america to another morning again. That's what we need. It's WNBF Binghamton, Bob Joseph at 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 56 degrees at 10.04. The forecast today, a mix of clouds and sun and a 50% chance of some showers. A high in the mid-60s. Some milestones have been passed over the past week in the ongoing battle against COVID-19 in the Southern Tier and New York State. Between Friday, September 16th, and Thursday, September 22nd, New York State surpassed a cumulative COVID case count of 6 million, reaching 6,002,926 on Wednesday. The state's positivity rate has been ranging between 6.1% to close to 9% for the daily count and an average of 6.5% for the seven-day rate. Broome County passed the 65,000 mark in the COVID numbers that were reported on Friday the 16th, while three more deaths were reported in Broome County over the past week. Death tolls remained steady over the last week for the other counties in the southern tier, Shenango, Cortland, Delaware, and Tioga. Some counties showed large one-day jumps in their infection rates. In Broome County, there were 94 new cases reported on September 22nd. The county had the lowest new cases at 45, reported on the 19th, 71 new cases on the 16th, 64 on the 20th, and 85 on the 21st. Also in the past week, the local county health officials announced the availability of the new boosters specifically targeted for the subvariants of the more transmissible Omicron mutation, 
Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the 28th, the Broome County Health Department had scheduled a clinic to give the Pfizer bivalent booster at the Department of Social Services offices downtown on Main Street and on the 29th at the Health Department. But a check of the county's vaccination website this morning shows those appointments have been snapped up. The next clinic is October 4th at the Vestal Public Library. WMBF News Time 1006. The Village of Owego Fire Department is among agencies in the southern tier in central New York sharing over $2.5 million in federal firefighter grants. U.S. Senators Kirsten Gillibrand and Charles Schumer have announced the squad in Tioga County is getting $42,952 under the Federal Emergency Management Agency's Assistance to Firefighters grant program. The money can be used to purchase equipment or pay for new firefighters or training. The city of Hornell and Steuben County will be getting $107,600. The West Edmiston Volunteer Fire Department near Unadilla is getting $35,052. New York State Department of Transportation is holding a public hearing this week to talk about safety enhancements along State Route 8 in Shenango County. A hearing to talk about the plans in the towns of Columbus, New Berlin, and Norwich will be held on Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. at Unadilla Valley Central School's Auditorium on State Highway 8 in New Berlin. The DOT says the proposed project will widen traffic lanes and shoulders along Route 8. The plans also call for improving sight distances, reducing the curve in the roadway and other features specific to improving safety at each of the four targeted sites. Interested parties may also participate online or over the telephone. We will have a sign information in on our website in a little bit. Written comments and questions can be mailed to job manager at the New York State Department of Transportation Region 9, 44 Holly Street, Binghamton, New York, 13901. Comments can also be emailed to J A Y M E dot s z i l i dot d at d o t dot n y dot gov materials from the presentation will also be posted on the project website written comments are requested to be submitted by tomorrow wmbf news time 1008 state investigators have substantiated more than 1600 instances of corporal punishment in new york schools over the past five years according to a report in the times union of albany the newspaper reports a substantial number of complaints were in New York City public schools. Other incidents included a substitute teacher in Watertown who was fired and arrested for grabbing a student by the throat and forcing him against a wall, and a teaching assistant in Syracuse who was transferred and retrained for spanking a nonverbal student. Corporal punishment is generally banned and can be classified as child abuse. In all, New York State Education Department documented nearly 18,000 complaints of corporal punishment in public and charter schools from 2016 through 2021. The newspaper said it found that school districts have underreported cases of corporal punishment to the federal government and that state education department records are not readily available to the public. WMBF News Time 1009. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly cloudy, maybe some peaks of sunshine, a 50% chance of showers today, and a high in the mid-60s. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the upper 40s. Tomorrow, a partly sunny day with a 40% chance of mainly afternoon showers, a high in the low 60s. Wednesday, partly sunny, a 60% chance of showers, and a high in the low 60s. 
On Thursday, partly sunny, a high in the upper 50s to around 60, and Friday, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. Currently, it's 56 in Binghamton. It's 10-11, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Second hour with Bob Joseph on a Monday morning, 607-772-1290. It's the top of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasured hands To take you in this time to promised lands To show you It is the time of the season for getting ready for lots of snow. Remember, last time we had a big snowstorm, really, really big snowstorm, it was in the autumn. So don't don't think that just because it's autumn, you don't have to worry about snow. In this area, you have to worry about snow about 9 or 10 months out of the year. So do I see snow in the forecast for this week? No, I don't see it. But could it happen? Suppose. I suppose it could happen. Have to get Dave Nicosia in here every um, every week. It was good actually to have Dave Nicosia in the studio last Friday. We have to try to arrange to have him on, uh, perhaps once a season. Maybe, maybe has happened with his uh, appearance on Friday. We could have him in on the first full day of every new season. So, Although probably in winter he'll be somewhere down south. But but it's always interesting to talk weather with Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service. What else is going on? Um, it's hard to believe. I still call it the Marine Midland Building. Marine Midland Plaza. Do you remember that building over there in downtown Binghamton near City Hall? It's 50 years old. It was 50 years ago that Rod Serling hosted a big special program called A Happening at the Plaza on WNBF-TV. I was looking through the old newspapers and it said Rod Serling would host the program called A Happening at the Plaza, a one-hour entertainment special celebrating the grand opening of one Marine Midland Plaza in downtown Binghamton. It was uh, exactly 50 years ago. Pretty interesting. No, not some person pretending to be Rod Serling, the person who really was Rodman Serling, who grew up in Binghamton. Let's go to the phones now. 1014 Tim in Binghamton. The pandemic is over. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. The pandemic's over. The pandemic is over. President Biden declared that in a, a national broadcast on 60 Minutes uh, eight days ago. I don't know when the interview was recorded. It was probably recorded a couple of days before they would broadcast it because the people at 60 Minutes can't be bothered doing live interviews. But yes, the man from Scranton advised us that the pandemic is over. 
Yeah. Uh, now, I, I heard a previous caller, you know, you guys were talking about, you know, it's time to get back in the office and back to work. Um, I don't know about these white-collar people, Bob, but us blue-collar workers, we've been working this entire time. No relief. I know what you mean. I'm one of them. It's, it's been going this entire time. If everybody got a break or was able to work from home, I don't know, man. You know, automotive industry, service industry, like uh, the one I'm in with restaurants, uh, you know, not just not. I mean, obviously, you know, our medical field workers, um, all of us, we've been working this entire time. So reporters, reporters. I've been I've been reporting the entire time. Well, there you go. I had to take two weeks off one time because I may have been exposed to the COVID, and one week when I actually tested positive. But aside from those two weeks, I've been working. I've been out in the field, putting myself at risk, putting myself in harm's way. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not to the same level as medical professionals and um, law enforcement and and many other people. But as as you point out restaurant workers uh factory workers so many people at grocery stores they didn't take a break they didn't say no no oh i'm i'm working at the wegman's old-fashioned sub business so i'm gonna do all my sub making at home no they came in and they kept making subs yep you know and uh, for all those white collars that that worked at home uh every time you ordered food and got it delivered because you didn't you didn't want to go into the office because of the fears that somebody brought you that food. Somebody made you that food. I know. You know, so while everybody, you know, oh, it's a two-day work week. Man, I wish I had a two-day work week, Bob. Yeah. No, a lot of people, it was a case of uh, the haves and the have-nots. I mean, a lot of people who worked in certain positions. By the way, I'm not complaining. I'm just, you know, for people who may have forgotten, there were uh, those who could enjoy uh, a relatively high quality of life while minimizing their risk from uh, the potentially deadly COVID-19. And they could uh, hang out in their homes and work remotely and have uh, food delivered 10 times a day while, you know, delivery workers and food prep workers and so on put themselves at, at risk. They were on the front lines at the height of the pandemic. You know, and I, I don't say it that often, but it must be nice. Yeah, yeah, it must be. It yeah. must have been nice, you know. Yeah, that but, must have been real nice. I mean, there were times, occasionally there were times, especially early in the pandemic when, to be honest with you, I was, was somewhat worried. I mean, not petrified, but still concerned for um, for my health to to a degree when I, I sort of wished they would say, Bob, you know, because almost everybody else at the station, the office people, they're going to be working remotely. Why don't we set you up with a fully equipped broadcast studio so you could uh, wait out the pandemic at home? And that, that didn't happen. And actually now, in, in retrospect, I'm glad it didn't. But there were times that I sort of wished I didn't have to venture out and you know go, go to the actual studio and go out to actually report because I, I thought, well, what if, what if I get sick and die? What then? Oh yeah, it was it was it was very concerning. You know, um, a lot of a lot of people again. Uh, you know, in, in blue collar fields, we can't afford to take that time off. I can't afford to sit at home like that. You know, we wouldn't have gotten paid. Well, that's the bottom line. You know, I mean, money money talks. No one walks. I mean, some people were well positioned. You know, the cash would keep coming in, and mm-hmm. you know, and again, I'm not. Hey, don't don't mistake what I'm saying right now as as a complaint. I'm. Uh, again, in in hindsight, retrospect, I'm I'm just happy that I was able to do as much working out of the house. The other thing about for me, 
if I had to work virtually all the time, I'd be bored to death. I'd, I'd, I just, I, I need to be able to interact with people. Right. Yeah, well, you know, and I'd, I'd say to my fellow uh, white-collar brothers and sisters in this workforce, come on, we've all been doing this this entire time. It's time for you guys to jump on board and get back into it, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good points, Tim. Uh, thank you. Thank you for Enjoy your, your persistence, and have a great day and a great week. You too. 1019 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Bob Joseph with you on a Monday morning. 607-772-1290 is the number if you want to participate. We're joined now by Joanne Morick, Development Director for Girl Scouts of Nipen Pathways. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Nice to talk to you. Well, good to speak with you. I know you're excited because there will be a, a special program taking place tomorrow here in downtown Binghamton to honor Carol Coppins. Yes, we're very excited about that. Um, each year we have an annual event where we honor an exceptional leader in your community, and Carol is the one this year, and boy, they just keep getting better and better. Well, she has contributed so much over the decade. She's been on this program before talking about some of the important initiat initiatives of the YWCA of Binghamton. And uh, certainly the, the work that she has done along with her team, it's, uh, it's had a big impact on, on the Binghamton area over the years. Wonderful. Well, the Girl Scouts' mission is that we build girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. And I can't think of a better example than all the wonderful things I've heard about Carol Coppins. Well, you know, for more than three decades, she has worked really hard to, uh, to indeed make a, make a difference in the lives of so many people. Tell us about uh, women of distinction, a little bit of background, and also what will be happening here in downtown Binghamton tomorrow as the... Uh, honor is uh, officially presented to Carol Coppins. Absolutely. And I would like to just start by saying that we do still have tickets available. So if anyone is by any chance hearing this for the first time, um, please know that you can, you know, absolutely come tomorrow. You can pay right at the door if you like. It's $45. But also the Women of Distinction has been a part of Girl Scouts for a very long time. And I've been with the council now for just over five years, and we really have come back and revamped it, and um, we now offer it as a breakfast. It used to be offered as a dinner for many years, and we find that people like that better because they can come out to this event and they can attend and then continue on with their day to work because the event starts at 7.30 and is over right at 9 o'clock. But this event honors ex women of distinction or an exceptional group of women who exhibit outstanding leadership through mentoring, community service, and their business or personal life. This leadership embodies the Girl Scout mission that I just shared with you. And we, again, are just so excited to have Carol as our honoree this year. Well... I'm glad that you're able to give us a uh, an advance notice on this. And as you mentioned, if people are still interested in attending the event tomorrow morning, they can do that. I, I see that uh, there also is going to be a, a representative from New York State 
on hand for the uh, special program. Yes, thank you for for bringing that up. Yes, we are going to have Kelly Owens um, in attendance tomorrow from the um, from the uh, governor's office. And um, we are excited about that. She'll be um, having a few remarks tomorrow as well. Very good. Well, I'm uh, again appreciate your letting us know about this event. And again, if people are interested in tickets, if they don't already have a ticket for tomorrow morning's program, how can they obtain that? They can. They can actually just show up tomorrow morning. We have plenty of seats left available. But if they want to call and speak to someone, they can call Girl Scouts of Night Pen Pathways. They can reach out to me um, at three one five two six three. Seven five five four. I will be traveling down to Binghamton today, and uh, but again, they don't need to do that. They can just show up tomorrow morning at seven thirty and register right at the at the welcome table and go right from there. I would also like to add, Bob, that um, the proceeds for this event go to support the Gold Award Scholarship Program, and this is a wonderful program where we honor the highest level in Girl Scouts. The girls have to do exceptional things to receive this award. And Carol herself was a Girl Scout all the way through school, so we're extra excited about that. So I do like to let people know where the money goes that they would be, you know, giving for the breakfast tomorrow. The Women of Distinction event will be tomorrow morning from 7.30 to 9 at Doubletree by Hilton at 225 Water Street in downtown Binghamton. Joanne Morick of the Girl Scouts of Nipen Pathways. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you, Bob. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you. We're live and local, serving the community right here on News Radio WNBF. Real people who really work in Binghamton, we report in Binghamton, we show up every day for you. 607-772-1290 is our number. Email bob at wnbf.com. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at wnbf.com. You wash your... Ten twenty-seven. It's nine twenty-seven in the windy city. Eight twenty-seven in the Mile High City. Seven twenty-seven on some Boeing airplanes and seven thirty-seven max on another Boeing airplane. I know you're saying what? Exactly. Back with phones to go. It's Brenda in the Forks. Good morning. What's going on? Bob, how was your weekend? Oh, super. Just super and duper. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, I just wanted to talk about the weather with the rain and everything. I think we get a, got a touch of that hurricane that's going on or something. Oh, yeah. Hurricane Floyd. And Yeesh. I over, yeah, I was over at the mall yesterday, and I get out of my car, and there's this car almost underwater in the parking lot. <laughs> or halfway, anyway. What, 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 what mall? The Oakdale Mall, because the parking it goes downward, you know, it dips down. It's the main entrance where you come across from uh, the Taco Bell there. Oh, I thought those kids fixed the drainage. Oh, but anyway, it, like I, I had to go in and get security and give them the plate number so they could announce it to tell whoever owned that vehicle to get it out of it. I felt bad because, like, it, it could have damaged it. But, yeah, it downpoured uh, massively yesterday oh. in the afternoon. Oh. Crazy. Anyway, no, I, I wanted to share something else. 
I had an experience yesterday at Wendy's, right? I'm in there with my brother eating food, minding my own business, charging my phone, okay, in the outlet there. And everybody does need to hear this because I don't understand what's going on here, but uh, some lady was, was sitting there with her husband, okay, eating. And she turned around and she said, I'm trying to eat and enjoy my meal. I don't want your phone here. And I look at her and I said, I'm not bothering you. I'm charging my phone. And she, she used foul language with me. I told her to not touch my, my cord, obviously, for obvious reasons. There's COVID. Nobody has the right to touch my cord. I've said that. I've said that to people in the past, too. Don't touch my cord. She got up and she called me some foul words, and I said, why don't you step outside and say that to me? And I'm not one to be like this. She was looking for trouble, very mean person, didn't go to church yesterday, obviously isn't doing what she's supposed to do in her life, which is none of my business, but you don't touch my stuff and then threaten me. She grabbed me, got up, grabbed me with her hands and put her hands on both of my shoulders and tried to shove me and push me out the door. She says, let's go. So I called the sheriff. My brother witnesses that I take a picture of her because she's running to her car with her husband to get out of the parking lot. I get a picture of her plate number. I have it on camera. Sheriff show up and they look at me and they say, listen, we're doing nothing. I'm like, really? So maybe I should have just turned around and clocked her and knocked her flying. No, because then you you probably would face some sort of trumped-up charge. The thing is, in this world, with provocateurs, Brenda, in this world filled with a bunch of provocateurs, sometimes it's tempting to take the law into your own hand, but then, you, and you might think, hey, now they're being uh, soft on crime, so even if I get charged with something, they're going to give me uh, some paperwork and tell me to show up in court in a few weeks. But in your case, it might not work out that way, and they, they might say, wait a second, Brenda, we're going to slap a couple of felony charges on you, and then you're up at the uh, Front Street Hilton for months. I mean, because in this day and age, you can't, you can't be sure how the system will work. I, I'm hearing you, and I was I was very shocked and surprised by that because no one has a right to come up to you and lay a hand on you. Actually, the law states if somebody hits you first or does anything to you like that, you can hit them back. They know it. They just didn't do anything. So I'm calling the sergeant on this deputy today, I think is what I'm going to do, just to let him know. I'm hearing a lot of negative things about the sheriffs. I don't want to talk about bad about any of our, our officers because they have their hands full. But what happened to me yesterday was duly wrong. And it upset me extremely, you know. But I don't know if there's anything they, from what you described, I don't know if a deputy could actually file a charge against the woman for her less than uh, uh, positive behavior. I'm, I'm not sure, based on what you said, that charges could be warranted. But she was looking for trouble. And it's just unfortunate. There's a lot of people that just have a lot of time in their hands to be assholes. Excuse my language. Well, I yeah. Know people like that. So anyway, I will not go there again. I actually got kicked out. I'm not allowed to come there anymore. And I really Well, then what are you going to do when you crave a baconator? What then? I don't want to do any business with them because of what happened. So, that's that's their loss. But is it their fault? Uh No, I, I'm hearing you. I agree. It wasn't You know, the, the, as I see it, and again, I I know I wasn't there, so I, I'm just basing it on what you so I told me. I should have called state police, but here's what's going on with the state police. You can't call them over in Kirkwood anymore. Oh, I know that. Don't get me started on that. That's because oh, of Kat, that's because of Kathy Hochul. 
Well, I blame a lot on Kathy Hochul. I, I don't care for her per se. I mean, well, I, I like her. I just don't think that uh, uh, not for us not to be able to talk with our state police at, at their great facilities in Kirkwood, Endwell, and Owego, and um, even in Whitney Point, if they won't let us talk with our state troopers and investigators, what kind of a state is this? I know, Bob. You know, it didn't used to be this way. When... When Hugh Carey was governor, we could call the state police. We could talk to the investigators. And they, they, they were within, obviously, some constraints. They couldn't tell us what's going on in the middle of an active investigation. But most of the time, they were happy to talk with reporters and also with, with the residents of the great state of New York. Not anymore. Yeah. And it's not their fault. They're just following orders. If they talk to you, if you call them up, if by chance you get through to the state police at Kirkwood through some sort of technical anomaly, and they talk to you and somebody finds out about it, there could be repercussions. So you're saying Kathy Hochul is the one that, that made the change? So you can't call into their office? You have to drive there? I'll drive there. Well, I didn't say she personally. It's happening on her watch. She She's responsible for everything that happens in New York State because she's the governor. And I'm talking about New York State government. So uh, whoever the superintendent, let me look it up because they change superintendents these days sometimes without without telling me. Hold on. because I don't know who the guy, the current superintendent is. Kevin Bruin, he became the state police superintendent. He was chosen, oh, I think... Hold on, I think he was actually chosen by Governor Cuomo. So that helps to explain something. Yeah. So it says uh, Kevin Bruin became superintendent of state police on June 7th, 2021. So that was a couple, more than two months before Kathy Hochul took over. But whether it's Kathy Hochul's fault or Andrew Cuomo's fault, somebody in Albany has uh, apparently advise the, the state police here at the local level that they're not allowed to talk with, with local people. Huh. I mean, of course they talk with people out, you know, when they're doing, when when they're dispatched, they, they're allowed to talk with people on uh, responding to calls and, and doing the paperwork. But other than that, say if you try to call them in, in Kirkwood or Endwell or Wego or Whitney Point or Deposit, I don't, I don't think they're allowed to talk with you. They certainly aren't allowed to talk with me. Anyway, uh, about uh, the state police, I heard a lot of them are going to be going down to, uh, where was it now? Somewhere where they had the, the flooding. Where was that at now, Bob? Puerto Rico? Well, they sent, I believe they sent about 100 state police to Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Yeah. So that's good. That's great. They need, They need help, although I saw someone... And I don't know if they were actually in Puerto Rico or if it was just some smart aleck. Someone said, we don't need more law enforcement. We need, we need help to clean up the mess. But they, they said, and again, I don't know if this was, it was something on Twitter, and I don't know if the person who said this was actually in Puerto Rico or just a smart aleck on Twitter, but their claim was that the uh, people of Puerto Rico didn't need more law enforcement. What they really needed was more help because of all the storm damage. Yeah. But by the same token, I, I think it's great. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of state troopers were were pleased to have the opportunity to go to Puerto Rico to help out. Yeah. Better done than me. I don't think I could handle it. I can't well, at least we didn't see that one guy throwing out uh, 
um, toilet paper to the to the people in Puerto Rico. I mean, oh, you know, just that the imagery that somebody would go down to a hurricane devastated part of the United States and and think that uh, oh, they can be placated here. Have some toilet paper. It's like. Yeah, come on, no, man. We went through that. We went through that here with the COVID. Oh yeah, <laughs> more toilet paper. It's funny. I got a laugh because it was a nightmare. I was going out and buying rolls of it and giving it to my kids and just everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. What, what a wacky time, you know. If I if I didn't live through it, I I never would have believed it. I I thought this country, I knew this country could deal or have supply chain issues. I just never thought toilet paper would ever be be one of those one of those things that we wouldn't be able to find. Anyway, to switch it over, this uh, stuff going on with Putin, uh, I heard he's got cancer, so everybody can hear this a while back, and it is true. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him, but he better just, like, calm down or do something, because take a vacation or he's just... Well, I don't... I wish wish him the best. I hadn't heard that there were issues with his health. I just wish him the best, and I wish... But most of all... Yes, I wish him the best, and I, I hope he doesn't have any health issues. But the only thing I ask him to do is immediately, as in right now, end the war and apologize. And then and try, try to start, I'm not saying it can be done, but end the war, apologize profusely, and do your best to try to salvage your reputation. Yep. Enough said about it anyway. It's just, it, it scares me. I think we're going to end up in another war. Oh, gosh, I hope not. Appreciate your call. Thank you, Brenda. 1038 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Remember, every weekday morning, the news you need is there for the taking. Six to nine, they call it First News with James Kelly and Kathy White. You need news every weekday morning. We have the news. Enjoy it. On the WNBF app, also 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. They call it First News. It's your first briefing on the day. And then you can stay tuned and listen to your live local talk program with your facilitator, Bob Joseph. It's 1039 WNBF, WNBF.com. You watch your... WNBF testing the transmitters. That's what Monday is for. (laughs) Can never go wrong with the classics. Interesting little uh, tweet that they put on Twitter last night from a company called News Nation. And they uh, apparently run news 
for the nation. I think they're based in Chicago. And last night at 1048, I was, of course, concerned because they tweeted, Thunder and lightning accompanied by a heavy storm that could last past 11 p.m. and possibly midnight, according to the forecast. So they tweeted that um, just about 12 hours ago from the News Nation headquarters. And, of course, I took note because that's a national operation talking about thunder and lightning. And I thought, well, why don't they at least tell us, please tell us where you're talking about. But obviously it was a mistake. They finally deleted the tweet. But still, they had me concerned for a moment there. Let's go back to the phones. Let's uh, go to the delightful town of Vestal, home of the Golden Bear. Dave, you're on. And uh, also the home of outrageous taxes. Don't forget that, Bob. And also the home of the most beautiful, expensive residential abodes you'll find in the tri-state area. Yeah. <laughs> let yeah, me let areas, me tell you, yeah. yeah, in certain areas, I drive uh, through those certain areas, and of course, every time I do, they look at me like, "Did you make a wrong turn, kiddo?" Um, but some of those homes, and you know the homes I'm talking about, man, very nice. Oh yeah, yeah, the ones you're talking about, it takes 15 minutes to walk from one end of the house to the other. Yeah. Oh yeah, they have driveways yeah. that are you know longer. <laughs> Longer than uh, the community of Quinneville. Quinneville, I think, is about um, 200 yards, and some people's driveways in Vestal are about 500 yards long. It's like uh, the, the length of uh, almost two football fields. No, yeah. no, five football fields. Five? <laughs> well, the, okay. only, the only downside to that, when you get 45 inches of snow, it takes a little longer for the for the plows to clear your driveway, but, you know. If if you can afford that long driveway, you could probably afford the snow removal guys. Well, yeah, certainly. Hey, Bob, you, you were talking about um, Puerto Rico, and you know, I I resent the fact that you were poking fun at what he was handing out. That's a very important item, something that's in need, just as important as a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk or a, a, of anything. I mean, at least he was there. And he was physically doing something. Do you think Biden could do something like that without a wheelchair? You think he could do anything like that? No. Well, you don't have to question. You don't have to question the guy's physical condition. You don't. That's that's just mean. Uh, Hold on. Let me let me take a look because because you brought it up. So let me. I'm I'm punching up. See if I can find a video from the the fateful day when. The leader of the free world was out there tossing out paper towels to people in in Puerto Rico. Hold on. Oh, I thought you said toilet paper earlier. <sighs> Who knows what the well, guy? Toilet paper, toilet papers, yeah. paper towels. Hold on. Yeah, I'm looking at him. He's wearing his yeah. he's wearing his uh, $7,000 black jacket and these people are gathered around while he's tossing out rolls of bounty. But he's there doing something, Bob. Yeah, he's I doing mean, Yeah, he there there's a crowd of there's I would guesstimate about 70 
maybe a no, maybe a couple hundred people in the room. Most of them are taking pictures of the wackiness on their because they they want to be able to document this for their grandchildren. That the leader of the free world is tossing out two dozen rolls of paper towels, and it looks like next to them they're like those five pound sacks of uh, sugar. So that that was his photo op to show his concern after Puerto Rico was devastated by a previous hurricane. So yeah, good. Oh, okay. That's uh, okay. that was clever. So those are things they didn't need. So they all just left them there because they did, they had so much stuff they didn't need it. So they left it there. He didn't do anything good, right? I didn't say he didn't do anything good. That's the optics. The optics were weird, but then that was yet another thing that was sort of symbolic of uh, his four-year reign. <laughs> you want to talk about optics? What about that speech Biden gave? It looked like he was standing in front of the gates of hell. There's no reason to not do a speech. I, I thought it was a great location. It certainly got my attention. <laughs> hey, the other at least I at least I had a sense of where I'm headed, sort of like a preview of coming attractions. <laughs> well, hey, when you had Dave on, was it Friday? Hey, I was kind of laughing. You know, Bob, I have to call him out on that. He says we're betting nine hundred percent, ninety percent right. They're right on the on the weather, and he's he's not right there. I mean. People complained that, you know, when he was saying you can be 50% wrong and still get a paycheck. Well, well, the what? Nobody's 90% right. Not even him. Matter of fact, I think the groundhogs and the farmer's almanac who don't have access to all the technology he has, I think they're more accurate than the weathermen, local or around the country. 900%, he said. Uh, I don't believe he said 900%. I think he said 90%. No, he said we're batting 900 is what he said. Oh, okay. Well, what? yeah. So, I no, I I think the point is the National Weather Service forecasts are highly accurate. I think that's true. Well, you know, speaking of technology... Point point out the the last time that the National Weather Service... Had a uh, a forecast, Boston Binghamton. What it, what time in the past twelve months has a National Weather Service forecast uh, for Binghamton and vicinity busted? Well, I didn't record it, but you can ask a lot of contractors that were on a roof expecting to do work, and all of a sudden the skies opened up with rain because they said no rain today. That happens all the time, Bob. All the time. I hope all the contractors call in and back me up on that. Well, yeah, I I hope they do, because I I don't believe that to be the case. It doesn't happen all the time. It may happen occasionally, but it doesn't happen all the time. Right. Well, that's the thing. I would say that if if he was uh, making the assertion that the forecast put out by the team at the National Weather Service in Binghamton that they're accurate ninety percent of the time, I'd say that was correct. I don't to to make a, an assertion on live radio that the for, that the forecasts are wrong all the time. That's incorrect. But nobody's doing that. Who would do that? Exactly you. You just said that it happens all the time that there's rain when they don't have any mention of rain in the forecast. And I I respond because I look at their forecast every day, and I respond by saying that's not true. 
all the time does not mean every time, Bob. But if you want to get picky now. All right. Well, this is not a congressional committee. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning. What was that thing that they seen in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania? What? Wasn't that uh, Jim Boscov driving the Bosco Mobile, handing out no, uh, certificates no, it wasn't, for wasn't discounts? It, a it was something in the sky they were talking about. When? It was on TV. Yeah, well, but when was it in the sky? I don't watch that much TV. Oh, uh, I don't know. Within the last week. Oh, well, they had the SpaceX. The, you mean the satellite or the rocket? Yeah, oh, that's what it was? Yeah, Saturday night, some people were looking in the sky, and um, even around here, you could see it. I didn't see it. I was disappointed, I but did. I saw I You saw it on Saturday night? Yeah. I saw pictures. It looks neat. It looks like Neato Torpedo, except it was a rocket from the SpaceX. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering because I was getting a little bit, getting a little bit suspicious. I thought maybe the aliens were coming around. No, it was uh, from the SpaceX. Oh, the, oh. The guy oh. that that runs, who is the the kid who runs SpaceX? Johnny, Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest, who runs SpaceX, uh, put up a, a rocket. I think he launched it over. Uh, Florida. No, oh, it's Elon Musk. Elon Musk, he's the same guy who makes the Tesla cars. So he put up um, a SpaceX rocket Saturday, and I think he launched it from Florida, and he wanted to give everyone along the East Coast a treat because he knew the skies would be mostly clear. So did, did you think it was pretty cool? Yeah, I thought it was. What's going on for the weekend? Well... I have to go to one of those, well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they have those uh, every fall, the corn maze, where you go out into uh, a corn maze and try to get yourself out. Did you ever try doing that? No. I think I'm going to try doing that. Eat me. I'm going to try doing that uh, next weekend, and then I'm going to start early, and that way, if I can't find my way out, then hopefully... Hopefully, I can call nine one one and and they'll send over a crew to uh, rescue me from the uh, oh. from the because that's the big fear that I have going through the a corn maze that I won't find my way out and then I'll miss the program and then I'll, I'll look like I'm foolish or more foolish oh. than I already look. I don't know. <laughs> oh, hey. When's Jerry Smith going to be on? Uh, he was supposed to be on that weekend. You were on vacation. Yeah, and I told him don't bother to show up, because if he showed up, he'd have to run the show himself. So he was on, let's see, he was, he, that's a good point. When was he on? I think he was on September 16th. So... He's going to be on again October 14th. All oh, right. okay. So it won't be long now. No. All right. And yeah, keep... we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good on our family tree. 
we went all the way back to uh, the, the 1700s on my grandmother's side. All right. Well, that's pretty good. Well, keep working on that and keep me posted. Thank you, Beverly. It's 1055 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Looking for. Ten fifty-eight WNBF. No, it was not a UFO. Elon Musk with one of his SpaceX toys launched in Florida, according to the Times Union of Albany. The um, Falcon Nine rocket from Face <laughs> SpaceX. SpaceX. It uh, was launched in Florida from the Cape Canaveral Business Park. At 7.32 Saturday night. And then before long, people here in Binghamton and Albany and even in Mawa, New Jersey, saw the spectacle. Some people were worried. As you heard, Beverly wasn't clued in. Nobody knew at first what it was. It looked like it could be um, one of those unidentified frying objects. And so people were concerned uh, jessica mahar from the nature conservancy quipped on twitter our theory was aliens but it turns out it wasn't aliens and it wasn't a ufo it was just a spacex falcon 9 rocket zipping through the atmosphere saturday night to give us a weekend treat Unfortunately, I missed the whole thing, but a lot of people did see it, and they took pictures and posted it on the social media. Maybe they'll do some more in the coming days. I hope they do, and I hope I get a chance to see the spectacle. 11 o'clock, News Radio, WNBF, Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. We're looking at mostly sunny for the afternoon, just dodging a few scattered showers possible for the day. High temperature into the mid to upper 60s. New York senior senator says drug dealers are using an old strategy to try to rope children into using a more dangerous drug. Charles Schumer yesterday pointed to rainbow fentanyl that looks like sweet tart candy and appeals to young children. It can also look like sidewalk chalk. The Democrat is calling for $290 million in federal money as part of the government's top gap spending legislation to go to law enforcement efforts to intercept the drug before it's marketed to children. Fentanyl, according to the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency, is 50 to 100 100 times more lethal than morphine. Recent statistics show the synthetic opioid has been responsible for an 80% increase in overdose deaths in the past two years. The ploy to attract young children to illicit drugs through attractive disguises is nothing new. Several months ago, an alert went out concerning what appeared to be a popular treat and snacks for young people that looked just like the real commercial chips and candy packaging, but the product inside contained dangerously high and sometimes undisclosed levels of THC 
found in marijuana. The Drug Enforcement Agency says rainbow fentanyl is being seized in pills, powder, and blocks that resemble sidewalk chalk in 18 states. Recently, two Maryland men were apprehended with 15,000 fentanyl-laced pills they tried to sell to undercover officers in Skittles and Nerds candy containers. Another Broome County municipality may soon be able to keep track of vehicles coming and going in their borders. Several license plate readers could be put in place at various spots in the village of Endicott to assist law enforcement agencies. Mayor Linda Jackson says Police Chief Patrick Gary has been working with a company to develop a proposal that would include plate readers and cameras. Jackson says the village likely will consider placing four plate readers at busy village entry points on Main Street, Watson Boulevard, and Route 26. Jackson says the devices would be linked to the Broome County Emergency Services Dispatch Center and could make it easier for Endicott police to apprehend people suspected of committing a crime in a neighboring community. The city of Binghamton has installed a network of about two dozen plate readers, mainly at entry points. When then-Mayor Richard David announced the initiative in 2017, he said it would cost about $700,000. The city has released little information about the usefulness of the plate readers since they went in. They were to scan plates and cross-reference the information with state and federal databases when they were installed. The Tioga County Sheriff's Office is reminding residents that the newly enacted gun laws this month in New York State are still presenting a learning curve. The New York gun laws had to change at the beginning of the month following a Supreme Court ruling striking down the state's concealed carry regulations, prompting the Democrat-controlled legislature and the governor to quickly move legislate a ban on concealed weapons in almost all locations of the state, except where specifically noted that guns are welcome. The new regulations also required new licensees after September 4th to undergo a certain amount of training and certification. It also required some license holders to amend their permits. The sheriff's office says it's been working over the past few weeks to determine the acceptable firearm training courses or proof of completion to satisfy the new rules concerning pistol permits and carry concealed licenses. Officials say links to frequently asked questions and forms can be found at the Tioga County Sheriff website, also at the New York State uh, Department of Criminal Justice Services website. Forms are also available at the Tioga County Sheriff's Office. A couple Southern Tier women are being recognized for their contributions to the community. New York State Senator Fred Akshar last week recognized a chief chief executive officer, Amy Howard, as his final Senate woman of distinction for the 52nd District, while the Girl Scouts of Nipen Pathways Council has named the executive director of the YWCA of Binghamton, Carol Coppins, as their 2022 woman of distinction. Senator Akshar, who is not seeking re-election as he's running for sheriff, says he named Howard for the New York State Senate's annual Women of Distinction honor as she has guided Achieve through a massive renovation and expansion. The Women of Distinction for the Girl Scouts, recognizing Carol Coppins for her over 35 years of service in the community, over 20 of that with the YWCA, forwarding the mission of ending racism while empowering women. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny for this afternoon, high today in the mid to upper 60s, mostly clear tonight, a low in the upper 40s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Janine, Janine, slow down. I, Janine, s- slow down. Drive carefully. 
<laughs> of course she will. Another big hour of live and local talk on WNBF 607-772-1290. You see a Cadillac Escalade heading west. Give her room, man. Give her room. 607-772-1290. If you'd like to talk on News Radio WNBF. Schumer, I mean, Charles Schumer, is on the case, watching out for the drugs that are being targeted to you and your kids. So coming off his uh, highly successful and much-discussed battle against metal grill brushes. Charles Schumer now is fighting the rainbow fentanyl. I mean, rainbow fentanyl. And you've seen it, I'm sure, at all the popular schools around here. At least you would think, from what Charles Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, was saying at his uh, Sunday news conference, you would think that every school in America is now filled with rainbow fentanyl, of course, that's not true, but still, this is a more important cause to Senator Schumer than the potential health perils posed by metal grill brushes. You remember that from a decade ago. So his Sunday news conference, because Sunday is traditionally a slow news day, targeted the kids who may wind up being tempted by rainbow fentanyl. This rainbow fentanyl has our law enforcement agencies on edge and with good reason. They're trying to get children younger and younger to take this horrible, horrible drug. This is nothing short of despicable by these drug dealers. Based on stories I've read, drug dealers, in fact, don't seem to be targeting kids with rainbow fentanyl they're just making fentanyl as they often do in different colors but over the years the producers of illicit drugs have have done this not specifically to target kids just because it's all part of some sort of twisted marketing technique now of course if you have a kid you want to make sure that he or she doesn't get hold of rainbow fentanyl or for that matter uh, Jenny Cremail, because drugs of any type aren't good for kids. The last thing you need is for your kid to get hold of rainbow fentanyl or any other drug. So that's a challenge. Now, according to the DEA, it's a deliberate effort by drug traffickers to drive addiction. But as far as 
whether they're targeting kids with their rainbow fentanyl. Uh, people familiar with illicit drugs seem to doubt that. I just think that it's part... For people who are buying illicit drugs, and there are a lot of them, by the way, right here in Binghamton, I can tell you, um, a lot of people are buying illicit drugs, and when it comes to fentanyl, will they buy fentanyl, whether it's rainbow fentanyl or traditional fentanyl? Yeah, they probably will, and some probably will overdose, and if things don't go well, they'll probably die. But... Uh, Charles Schumer wants $290 million to fight rainbow fentanyl. Which, of course, the fact that we're now about a month away from Halloween will mean we'll get lots of coverage on this over the next four weeks. You can ask police officers, you can ask doctors, you can ask health professionals, all of them who have this vantage point that this is one of the biggest health threats today. Senator Charles Schumer at one of his popular Sunday news conferences to provide journalists in New York City something to run during the 6 and 11 p.m. shows. So he wants $290 million to fund overdose response teams nationwide because of the threat being posed by rainbow fentanyl, he says. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning. My name is Nicholas, and I'm from Binghamton, New York. What's on your mind, Nicholas? Um, no, I was just hearing you talk about the rainbow fentanyl, and um, I'm an ex-drug user I used to use, and I know a lot about all that and how dangerous it is, and it's, it's kind of crazy how much is out there in every single drug nowadays. So how much fentanyl have you used over the years? So I never targeted, like, that is not my drug of choice when I was using. Um, I mean, I used painkillers, but it led to other things like heroin and stuff, which is real bad. But, I mean, to guess, I mean, a good amount, I would imagine, because you know the difference. I mean, when you do a certain drug, even on weed, like, if you're smoking weed, they're putting it on these kids' weed just to get them hooked to the one dealer so they go back to them and, the cocaine, it's in the it's in everything, and it really takes a toll on your body too. Um, it's just you just lose all motivation. You don't think about anything, and then it's it's a really it's like the worst thing for addiction because you're just gonna want that. And I know people that seek out only fentanyl, which is crazy too. Well, I was going to ask you how many people actually seek out fentanyl because it seems to me that would be a dead end because fentanyl is well known for its uh, lethal properties, and it seems to me, unless you're just suicidal, and unfortunately uh, in, in these difficult times, some people have suicidal tendencies, but unless you're truly suicidal, I don't see why anybody who dabbles in illicit drugs would ever want anything with fentanyl. I can understand people self-medicating with a, a wide array of drugs, including heroin, if if they have um, an opioid addiction. But I can't understand why anybody would intentionally seek out fentanyl unless they've just lost the will to live. I, I totally get where you're coming from. And um, there, there is no right answer for that. I mean, there's no reason to seek it out. It's really, it's really a thing to where, like, whatever drug anyone is addicted to, drinking, weed, uh, heroin, I mean, 
if you've never been addicted to something, I mean, you're not going to truly understand 100%, but um, it's just when you get that feeling and, you, like, you're, you're right, though. You give up hope and you just you don't think about anything else. You don't play the bills. You don't clean. You don't talk to your family. You just look for that one drug. And fentanyl is by far the worst thing that gets all that on your mind and everything off your mind so you're not thinking about stuff. And it really just it ruins your life. It's a big pit and it pretty much is a suicidal tendency, uh, unintentionally, I guess. I would also think, again, never having sold drugs, legal or illegal, but I would think if, you're, uh, if your business is illicit drugs, I would think that you would be a disinclined to sell fentanyl because that would seem to put your business at risk. I think, I would think any smart businessman or woman who's selling illicit drugs would want to keep their customer base alive so they could sell more heroin or cocaine or weed or whatever and it seems to me if you sell even a little bit of fentanyl you're putting you're putting your future profits at risk you know i i, I get where you're coming from but you, yeah you'd think you'd think like that i mean i'm a businessman now and you know i exactly but the truth is people want the drugs that someone has overdosed and died from which is mind-boggling well is it a case if they want the thrill they're they're seeking yeah. a thrill there's thrill seekers yeah, yeah. okay yeah, exactly. that, I mean, well that part then i kind of understand because i i know some people who are thrill seekers and i can kind yeah. of by the way to the best of my knowledge they don't use Ill illicit drugs but they are thrill seekers and i could see if if they were leading that that lifestyle that they they might want to seek out something and sort of push the envelope yeah you always got to fill that thrill that's right fill the thrill um but yeah like i skydive now and like that's better than any drug i've ever done and like once you get your foot outside of the drug use and you see that like you could reobtain life no matter how far in you are there's so much more out there than just sitting home doing drugs and dying and going to prison i mean there's just so much out there but yeah the fentanyl is no joke um i mean I don't see how they're going to crack down on it too good. I mean, I hope they do. I hope they... I well, mean, do you think, because, again, I've read a few articles over the last uh, month or so about this so-called rainbow fentanyl, and not all, but many of the articles from people familiar with illicit drugs and fentanyl, the sale of fentanyl, argue that, yes, the people who make fentanyl, for whatever reason, are occasionally making it in these colorful these colorful tablets but they are not specifically targeting kids it's just just another thing that they do i think i think years ago when i think there might have been a time when lsd uh was was sort of in vogue and and people would sell little stamps with like cartoon characters and and they were saying oh well that means they're targeting kids and i i thought it was more from what i had heard they weren't targeting kids it was more of a branding thing than anything else that, that exactly. they I, I have a hard time believing i'm not saying no kid anywhere in broom county will get hold of rainbow fentanyl but i think it's highly unlikely because i, I just don't see i mean kids the last I knew, most kids under the age of 16 don't have access to much money, even for, say, candy bars or gum, 
let alone to go out and spend money on illicit drugs. So I, I wouldn't think that most yeah. drug dealers would be trying to ply young kids in Broome and Tioga counties with rainbow, rainbow fentanyl. I guess I could see them doing it when, when they become teenagers. Maybe they have a job and some money. I just don't see it as, yeah. as a, a likely prevalent menace. So that's just my personal opinion. By the way, so how, if at, at what point did you finally uh, see that the life you were leading was was dangerous and was not getting you anywhere, and then then you turned your life around? Man, um, you know, I I thought about it for probably a whole year, and it's just you know, you take a few steps, you fumble, and you get back up, you try again, and then honestly, it was my birthday before my birthday. Um, I was going to go see my lawyer. We we're going to go to rehab. I was ready to go. Night before, I did some heroin. I overdosed, and I woke up in the hospital. And that, from that point on, I've never touched it again. And it's been eight years. Was your life saved by um, naloxone? Yes. They, I, yeah, they actually had an IV the naloxone into my arm, and it was bad. Um, but, yeah, it definitely helped, and... I was on Suboxone for a while. Um, I'm still on the Suboxone. It's like a maintenance. And honestly, I don't like being on any drugs anymore. But, I mean, I just think of it as, hey, you know, it's not getting me high. It's keeping me normal. It's getting me through, you know, it's like I don't rely on it, so to say. Like, I don't look forward to it. It's just, you know, it's like, say you got diabetes. Just take that medicine every day so you could go do what you got to do. How old, are, how old are you? I'm 32. When did you start doing drugs? Probably uh, 2010, 2011-ish. All right. So what age was that? Um, ooh. It was probably like around 21 or a little bit before that. I mean, I used to smoke weed, but when I got into painkillers and heroin, that was when I had a bad head injury. So I went to pain management. It just kind of spun out of control from there. So what? what had you been prescribed something like oxycodone or something for the pain? Yeah, they sent me to pain management. They gave me the Percocets. They gave me muscle relaxers, and they they said they couldn't do anything. And then I got a second opinion finally, and they said they could operate. And then they just kept giving me drugs, and you know I just stopped going. And then um, you know I had bad withdrawals. I didn't even I didn't know that was gonna happen. I didn't I wasn't familiar with it, you know. But um, you know I was abusing the pills after a while because your tolerance gets up, and you just, you know it says take one, you take two, and you take three. Before you know it, you're taking a whole bottle, and it's just it is really easy to spin out of control. Like if you got issues controlling yourself, like gambling or anything like that, you gotta stay far away from drugs. How is your life now? It's much better. You know, I mean, there, there's days, you know, there's always bad days, but I, I know for a fact, I tell myself every time I get into that mood, even this morning, I was like in a little, you know, down mood. But you know, I would never think about going back to that drug ever again, because it was just I seen how I treated my family, and my family's still there for me. And a lot of people, like, you know, I lost a lot of people. I lost a girlfriend of eight years, and it was bad. But um, I definitely learned a lot from that experience, and it definitely shaped my life around. Um, but yeah. So are there people now that you know to stay away from so you don't wind up being being back in in uh, an environment of, of temptation and, and backtrack? Honestly, um, 
it's very hard to stay away from anyone in this town. I mean, like, it, it's well, I'll put it this way. If you're in the drug game for a while and you deal with a lot of different people, you're going to see them if you're still in the same town. It's just a matter of just getting a new phone number, you know, just ignore them. You get a job, do your job, go home, or even if you can, get out of the area and go somewhere. Like, I moved to North Dakota for a couple of years, and that was great. It was the best time of my life. Well, it sounds as though you're your um decisions really helped save your life it it definitely did and you know my my parents are definitely there for me too and a lot of people had part of that as well well but, thanks yep, yep. thanks for calling yep. in and and sharing both some of your observations and also some of your personal story i i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me take care i wish you well Bye. 11:26 at News Radio WNBF, WNBF.com. Phone number is 607 772 1290. Or you can send an email to Bob at WNBF.com. You're Joseph with you on a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us. I hope you can make it a daily habit. We try to listen carefully to your concerns and your stories when you call. And I enjoy hearing from people. I enjoy first-time callers. And certainly, I'm always pleased by our regular listeners. It's important when you check in. Keep in touch here at WNBF. Stay connected. Vinny in Binghamton, good morning. Yes, good morning. You know, Bob, over the weekend, we were, um, uh, something was, uh, my friends and I were talking about um, freedom of speech and this and that, and my, had a good, my best friend had just got back from, he went to Panama City in Florida, and he was telling me, he said, you know what the gas is down there? It's two ninety nine. I said, yeah, I know. I know. I said, I, and no one's going to say anything about it. But we started talking about freedom of speech and pulling books out of libraries and stuff like that. And I'm like, and I, and the first thing that comes to me is freedom of speech. You're pulling, trying to pull all these books, censor these books. This is 2020. These kids can get it on their phone. They can pull up these books anytime they want. They don't need libraries. They can just go on the internet and pick these books out. So, and I don't, hear that in the news being covered. All they want to do is show a bunch of parents at these school board meetings yelling and screaming, we want these books out of here, but I never see the news find somebody that says, listen, <laughs> you're bringing more, you're doing more harm than good. Most of these kids don't even know about this. And now that you know, they can get these online. They don't need to have it in the library. They can go online and read these books. Well, a lot of a lot of times it's just to uh, uh, feign outrage. You know, it, it it gets media coverage. Yeah. I mean, if if somebody holds a protest, say in downtown Binghamton at the courthouse, and say we're 
were burning books or they did this one time in Chicago. They had a disco demolition at, at some baseball game and it I created that. Yeah, yeah, it created all sorts of fun and chaos, but it's like everybody there at, at least initially it started off as just good clean fun because oh, we don't like disco. Oh, we don't like books or whatever. But the danger when you start trying to toy with people's emotions sometimes the people who aren't in on on what you're up to uh take it too seriously and and then take things a step too far uh, uh, to your point about book bans and things like that hey we in the media will cover it we i mean on on the one level you have to cover it if people are talking about it but again it as you point out the best the best publicity for some things books movies music talk shows is to come up with some sort of something provocative and controversial and get free media because who wants to spend money on uh on, on real real traditional advertising so yeah that's i'm i'm sure what's going on now with with books you're right kids for, first of all most kids don't read books but if you if a kid sees on instagram or tic tac or whatever they're eating today and sees something about oh a, it's a bad book that they want to ban then they might actually read you know well yeah and and and, and sometimes i i wonder bob if it's about all this back on these journalists i just see a lot of these things getting covered and they just walk away Whoever's doing the interview, they just walk away. Wait a minute, there's another side. Perfect example was all during the height of COVID, going around finding these nurses that work in these hospitals. And they'll take, I, mean, I think it was on CBS, or no, CNN. They took four nurses from four different hospitals, and they said how they're not going to get the shot. And I'm wondering, where are the nurses that are getting the shot? They didn't cover them. They just talked about how brave they were, but they never brought them out and did the same thing. A balanced, you know, hey, listen. This is two sides. What do you think? No, they always give one side. And it's not always to the right. It's to the left, too. But I just see constantly this, this one-sided. I'm watching, look, watching the paper the other day. Old Donald Trump's, his supporters, his core base, one-third of them are still with him. And first of all, okay, so that means two-thirds aren't. And my biggest question I've always said about Donald Trump's supporters, where are they going to go? They're, going to go, they're not going to go with Mitt Romney or Lindsey Graham, um, Steve Forbes, uh, uh, Pat Roberts. They're not going there. They have no place to go. So why do you act like there's another choice for them? There is no other choice for them. Who are they? Do you think DeSantis? <laughs> he's, he's, that's another Scott Walker in the making, man. It's another Scott Walker. Well, you never know. I don't know. It's, but to your point about media not, not covering things sufficiently, first of all, some media, and I hate to keep harping on it, but it's the truth. If if we have a, a so-called local newspaper, how come there's no local news in it? You know, Why don't they right. just rebrand it as, as what it's become? New York Today. It's New York yep. Today. They publish six titles across New York State. Maybe it's more now. I guess it's more because Gannett merged with uh, some other uh, cost-cutting entity. Just call it New York Today and keep giving us the same 
regional coverage, and I'm I'm not saying it's it has no value. It does have a value. It's just not mm-hmm. what it used to be. And then yesterday, yesterday they're so excited that they have a section, a special section of puzzles and games. Now I I love puzzles and games as much as the next guy. But uh, yesterday on the Sunday Press and Sun Bulletin front page, along with most other front pages on Gannett papers across the country, I checked several out. I could only find one Gannett paper uh, Sunday that wasn't touting its Puzzles and Games special section exclusive. And I'm looking, okay, I know people who love puzzles, and I know people who love games. I'm not one of them, and that's great. And I'm sure I'll see an extra $6 charge on my monthly Press and Sun Bulletin bill bill for a puzzles and games section. I don't subscribe to the local newspaper for puzzles or games. I subscribe to a local newspaper for local news. Give me local news and sports, not puzzles and games. So go out and yeah, whatever whatever money thing of course with puzzles and games they're a dime a dozen they probably paid uh somebody three dollars for the rights for the puzzles and games section across uh the entire country for the weekend instead of actually paying real reporters real sports journalists and real photo journalists to go out and cover their community that's not what we want i i i i paged through sunday's paper yesterday again i'm getting really 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 close to discontinuing my print subscription i know some people come up to me and say you still subscribe to it bob and i say yes because i support local journalism and they do have yes and they do have local journalists they just don't have enough and i I keep thinking that if i i keep paying my monthly bill like clockwork always on time and i keep thinking I'm investing in the future. I'm, I'm thinking everything is cyclical. So if I if I keep this press and sun bulletin organization alive, maybe at some point in five years, Gannett will have a new leader. Or yeah. I, I also understand Gannett is shopping some of its papers. So what I, what and I don't know that the Binghamton paper is one of them. It probably isn't. But say if some person with deep pockets who I know listens to the program, if that person made an offer for the Binghamton newspaper to Gannett headquarters, they might actually just sell it. Yeah. And, yeah no, I... and somebody has to come along somewhere, where the, whether it's broadcast journalist, former print journalist, or whatever, to save our newspaper. Because what Gannett is doing to it now is death by a thousand cuts. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I totally agree. I get I get the Sunday paper, and, uh, you know, I'll see a, a, a picture on there and about a family. I said, oh, oh, I'll be Wappinger Falls. I said, okay, no problem. You know, New York, or that Niskayuna. And I'm like, jeepers, man, they're, every, they're everywhere but here. I'm like, well, and, I, But every so often, hmm. every so often, and it's not, not even predictable, every so often you'll see a local story a, a well reported local story and sometimes they'll even put it on the front page that's another thing that mystifies me about the paper even when they do have one or two local stories that somehow got got through the the process and made it into print uh-huh. how come those local stories are are 
somehow tucked inside, my thought would be, even if it's not the most important local story in the world, and normally mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't qualify for front front page play, my thought would be, we'll put it on the front page to even give just every Sunday, at least, it should be actually every day, put one local story on the front page because just put it in a spotlight. Show, well, at least we have one story or, or even a picture. Put a yeah. picture of, yeah. of like the front door of Boscov's that was smashed in more than a month ago. Put that on the front page, even if you don't have a big story. Just put, yeah. you know... And I'll tell you, they would sell extra papers because not everybody saw the story at WNBF.com. So put it on the front page of the, of tomorrow's paper. Take a picture right. of that, that front page and even put just a three-sentence caption. It doesn't have to be an in-depth story, but just say, Boscov's department store in Binghamton, the front door is still busted. Oh, I just I answered my own question. It, they can't do it because Boscov's is a huge advertiser in Sunday's paper, and probably Jim Boscov would, would pitch a fit. I mean, but they still should yeah. be able to do it. Boscov's, yeah. even if Jim Boscov didn't like it, you know, he could even say, well, because I called the I called Boscov's, or no, I did, well, I did call. And, and the guy from Boscov's, actually, he finally did send an email back. Let me just... I, you know, I, I just hope people realize... The the, uh, the the journalists that we need in this country, because I'll tell you, man, once once these days disappear, which I hope they won't, boy, we're we're going to be in trouble. Man. We're already in trouble. Yeah, we're in huge trouble. And and Vinny, I can't even tell you how many stories every week are going unreported around here. And the people, the mayors, the town supervisors, the county executives, the governors, and presidents of the United States, they love it. They well, you know, are having a field yeah. day getting away with so many things that they never could have gotten away with as recently as five years ago. Yeah, well, that's why I like listening to John from Binghamton, because he's one of those guys that is watching. He's the one who keeps peeking behind these curtains, man. He knows there's somebody back there. Oh, yeah? Because I've had somebody ask me about this. I said, let me tell you something. Is that he, he doesn't, he said this before, he doesn't really get into the world issues too much. But these local issues, this guy's on it. And you might not like him, but he brings it up. He throws it right on the table. What do you guys think of this? Hey, this is what's going on over there. Hey, did oh, you yeah. see this? Well, he's, do- right, he's, doing, he's doing what he can. Can you imagine if we could uh, recruit uh, 99 more Johns from Binghamton for Broome County? That would be a big improvement. Now, would the elected officials like it? Of course they wouldn't, because elected officials don't want scrutiny. And they don't want... They don't want to answer my questions in many cases, and they don't want to answer John's questions in many cases. Now, I will say, I will say there are some people, including many listening, elected officials and law enforcement and business people, who actually do answer my questions, and I thank them. I thank them. Every once in a while, they hear the program and hear me say about the secrecy that permeates so much of this town. And they say, well, you weren't talking about me, were you? And I said, no, I wasn't talking about you, because there are some notable exceptions, and I commend them. Seriously. You know, if only only everybody was as accessible and forthcoming as some people. And I'm talking about some government officials, some business people, law enforcement, 
even people in, in nonprofits, they're actually very accessible, but they're the exception. The majority, for reasons we can only we can only speculate on the reason why some people don't want to answer questions. But you do have to wonder. We've brought this up many times on the program. Why do school district officials not respond to requests for comment? City, village, town officials. Why wouldn't they respond to requests for comment on legitimate stories? We can only speculate. Why wouldn't you? want your constituents to be fully informed and again i point out there are some people around here and you hear them with some frequency on this program they have a different worldview they actually answer questions and they don't need the questions presented ahead of time because even for some things that might be unpopular they're not afraid of explaining their position that's as it should be. 1144, my opinion, 607-772-1290, or send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Welcome to... Forty-six. Good morning from WNBF, WNBF.com. Bob Joseph on your side, in a section of Endicott today, watch out. They're going to turn off your power. But don't worry, it's not forever. It's probably going to be for about two hours. About two hours, and they'll turn off your power. That's in Endicott, just a small area of the Union District. Listen carefully. This is the area that will be affected. They'll be doing some maintenance to their Power system, Endicott Municipal Light customers who live south of North Street, east of Page Avenue, and west of Vestal Avenue will experience a power outage starting at 2 o'clock this afternoon, a little over two hours from now. They say it'll last a couple of hours. Thank you, Endicott Municipal Light. By the way, thank you, Endicott Municipal Light, for the work you do, bringing affordable power to the people. Delicious power at low, low prices. Low, low prices. That's why everybody wants to live in the Union District, because you can get delicious power for low, low prices. Somebody, eh, I don't know who this is because she didn't sign it. It said, did anybody at Schumer's news conference ask if the border was under control would he still be asking for the 290 million dollars i don't know i wasn't at the news conference he doesn't invite me anonymous person 
Would Schumer be asking for $290 million to control rainbow fentanyl if the border was under control? My answer is, of course he would. And I'm surprised he hasn't asked for $290 million to control metal grill brushes. I think the only reason he hasn't done that is because he, he would probably get laughed out of Congress if he proposed spending $290 million to control dangerous metal brill brushes. Remember when he focused on that? Now, I remember the day when Charles Schumer used to invite me to his news conferences in Binghamton. <laughs> then he got tired of hearing so many questions. I remember it. I, I don't have the exact quote, but essentially after I asked him perhaps four or five questions about, as he would, as his handlers would say, off-topic issues, then he wanted other reporters to have a chance to ask questions. And of course the reporters, other reporters who were there, had every chance in the world to ask questions. They didn't ask questions because I don't know that they were intent on asking any off-topic questions after he held his formal news conference, but he basically told me, we'll give others a chance to ask good questions. So I stopped asking questions, and the other reporters who happened to be there that morning, they had no questions. So, But he took me off. Stop. WNBF, WNBF.com at 11.53. And uh, they were uh, touting on one of the cable channels that President Biden, his approval rating is really, 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 really low. So they were making that announcement on one of the cable channels. So in case you were wondering what was going on with the president's approval rating, according to uh, cable channel Fox... He um, he's not very popular, they said, 43 days before the midterms. I thought, well, well, that could probably be true. Another cable channel, uh, cable channel CNN, has uh, an announcement that uh, Biden is going to unveil new rules for airline fee transparency. I think that's a good thing. The airlines should always, I think, be transparent with their fees. In fact, I would take it even further. I would say all companies, airlines, utilities, cable companies, 
Um, who else? Oh, cell phone companies. <laughs> I think every company in the United States must be required <laughs> to be transparent with their fees. Can you imagine if President Biden proposed an initiative that by January 1st, 2023, all companies doing business in the United States of America would have to be transparent with all fees. So no matter what you did, cars, phones, airlines, oh, how about this? Garbage services, everything. Everything, everybody, even governments, when they sent you a bill, they had to be transparent with all fees. I guess that could apply to the state and municipalities, even when it comes to parking tickets, speeding tickets, and so on. Everybody, if they charge you something for something, I mean, whether it's an actual service or, in the case of the government, penalties or whatever, all fees need to be disclosed on their home page in bold print with easy explanations of how you can avoid all these extra fees if you can avoid them at all so if president biden wants to really impress me he can avail legislation requiring everyone in the country who charges a fee to be totally transparent starting January 1st. I think most Americans could support that, except for the people who are making billions of dollars off fees. 1156, Bob Joseph, really on your side on WNBF. Bob Joseph proclaiming the obvious mission accomplished on this Monday morning. But of course, the mission never really ends. It simply continues. And we will pursue our mission tomorrow morning right here, taking your calls and bringing you some interesting guests. In the meantime, enjoy your afternoon listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.